0: But it's one of those things where I wasn't surrounded by people that were growth minded and and thinking about building businesses. I was surrounded by people that were happy to do sales. And that's okay for everyone. Um, I just had this inner burning desire to start to to build businesses because I'd always done it.
1: Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast here. And I'm really, truly delighted to have uh, one of the best people that I know in the industry. And that is absolutely no lie. He's done some absolutely amazing things. And his name is Andre Chin. He is the owner of Kelly. Well, I'm just gonna let you kind of describe a little bit of who you are and, uh, and go through that.
0: Yeah, Thanks for joining us, everyone. What's really cool is we're doing a bit of a joint podcast today for the first time with the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. That is my show. My name is Andre Chin with the Real Estate Hustle Podcast, so thank you for joining us. And to kind of what Steve says, so I'm an operating partner of Keller Williams Innovation, so owner-operator KW Innovation. I'm the owner-founder of the ICON Group, which is our expansion network, and Compass Real Estate Advisors. We're also partnered in several other businesses as well, so hoping to deep dive on that today with Steve. Steve, it's very rare that I get the opportunity to not be the one that's doing the interview and to having to give that control up. So you guys are going to hear a lot about me today, and I'm excited to share. So Steve, take us away, man.
1: And I appreciate that. And, and you know, it is an honor to be the person who is actually finally putting you under the hot seat, because I've seen a lot of it, listened to a lot of your podcasts, you know, whether you're down in the States at a family reunion, doing interviews and that sort of thing of some mega agents down there, you know, or out about, uh, you know, uh, online doing interviews of other people, you're always talking about everybody else. And I think it's really important for people to get to know who you are. Because, you know, it's kind of funny, because I sort of stumbled as I'm like, well, who is Andre? Now, like he's kind of like the Keller Williams guy. He kind of got this business. He's got these investment. Like, there's so many different things that you do. And it's funny as, as a person who's in the industry, and and it's kind of weird because we were having this conversation the other day where we're talking about like, you know, reaching out to to Andre and, and like I'll call you and you, you pick up the phone. So I guess I guess the first thing is is number one is is how did you get there? And number two is how do you do it? Because with all those things on the go. You know, there's many people who can't do one thing and keep that on the go. How do you keep all these these pots spinning? So I think to kind of start it off, let's first kind of go to the way back playback and kind of talk about, you know, what got you into this industry and how did you kind of get past? Like, I think everybody, you know, especially when you're talking to, you know, from the real estate perspective, you know, new agents, but also from the business perspective, you know, this podcast is oriented to small business owners as well, you know, not just real estate uh, magnets like yourself. And so, you know, I want to kind of talk about what did that first year look like? How'd you get over some of those big pitfalls and uh, and kind of start there?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to go back even further on, on the journey. So Love Business it. has always kind of been something I've always had an entrepreneurial kind of heart and, and soul within me. So, you know, I talk about you know, even just being a kid, like I started my first business when I was in elementary school. I'm in grade five. And so my grandma had a farm. And one of the things I noticed is I like to eat good. I like to take care of myself. And so I didn't want to be the guy at school that was, you know, buying stuff in the tuck shop all the time and all this other stuff. So I started bringing in my own fruits and my own vegetables and that sort of stuff from my grandma's farm. Well, then people were like, hey, I want a cherry. I want a mango. I want this. I want that. And I was like, well, there's a business opportunity here. And it got so bad when I was in elementary school that I got sent to the principal's office because I was doing more in sales volume for snacks than the entire school was doing. That's <laughs> I it amazing. I was the best. I had it set up in they the They just wanted profit power. share. They, they wanted their piece of the pie, right? And, but it, <laughs> it started even then, and and I actually worked out a deal with them that I could sell my stuff, but I couldn't do it in the classroom. I could only do it at a certain location, and and I worked out a deal with the school, and that was my first kind of business venture that I was able to buy my first. Myself, I was able to buy my first. I think at the time it was Super Nintendo was the big thing. I was able to do that on my own and not wait for mom and dad. And then that just sort of stuck with me as I kept going through life. I mean, I worked for a catering company when I was 13. I was working for an off-track betting and gambling institution that I convinced them to hire me. I convinced them I was 17 and that I could work there. So illegally working, my my journey, and so it just kind of kept happening. So when I got when I got out of high school, uh, I took a gap year, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and then I went back for computer programming, web design, and I actually started a company um, back then called MRC Solutions. I ended up selling this business. After a couple of years, we, we were the primary marketing and design company at that time in Waterloo Region. We were doing a lot of great things and I ended up selling it to, to go into my career, which was a stability and a job and that sort of stuff. 2008 hits and the recession shows up and I'm working for a U.S.-based company where 95% of our business is done in the United States. We were a electrical enclosure company. So if you're driving down the road, you see these big boxes on the side of of Um, stop signs and things like that we built all of those all across north america while our primary primary business was the u.s and so when the recession hit you know they weren't building as many roads they weren't building as many neighborhoods they weren't building as many of anything so i came in one day and i got handed a pink slip in a box and they were like dude we're so sorry but anyone that's not senior is getting let go and they let go you know there was tons of us that that lost our jobs that day and I ended up kind of losing my passion for the industry that I was in. I ended up kind of losing security would probably be the best thing that I could describe. So all of a sudden I don't have a job. I've got a month worth of severance. I've got two kids and I got to figure life out and nobody's hiring because I'm in the tech field and in a recession, well, tech, they just stop hiring. <laughs> Nobody any yeah,
1: Oh, for sure.
0: So I, I had a really rough go. And so for about three months, I, I was depressed, I was gaining a lot of weight, I was had all this stuff kind of happening. And I took a job back as a uh, bartender. So I'd always loved being in the restaurant industry, and bartending and just, you know, being the face of the business there. So I called a friend, I said, Hey, do you have a job for me? Because I really need to start making money. It's now, you know, my, my severance is all done trying to get on a pogey, they're not really having a whole lot with with our government you know that 200 they give you bi-weekly or whatever it was back then wasn't going to pay for anything other than gas so i thought i got to do something so i went back started bartending again and make a really good money it's a great way to make a lot of money really fast if you ever need to and uh I worked across from one of the largest mm. Remaxes that, are, that is out there. For those of you that are listening, Remax Real Estate Center in, in Ontario, I think they're up to 24 locations, over a thousand realtors. So I worked across the road from their head office. And so every single day I am inundated with realtors taking clients to lunch, <laughs> meeting together for lunch, mortgage brokers, like every day, every day, every day. And I had this realtor look at me one day and she just went, why aren't you in our business? And I was like, honestly, nobody has ever asked. He said, I think you'd make a really great realtor. And within the span of a couple of days, I had mm-hmm. her and another gentleman. And the other gentleman, um, if you know, for those of you in the mortgage world that are listening, Joe Pinero, he's, he's with DLC now. He's with Mortgage Alliance. He used to sit at my bar like once every now and then, and we got to know each other really well. So I said, you know, hey, Joe, someone said, you know, I'd be good at real estate. What do you think? He said, I think you'd actually be better at mortgages. So I went down that path originally and i hated it i was like this isn't for me and it's probably who you met and and you know that's so impactful like i met i met someone in the industry on the mortgage side that i was like if that's what mortgages are about i want nothing to do with it (laughs) and i won't say their name i'm not gonna embarrass anybody it was just someone that just Didn't epitomize a business owner to me or somebody that was successful. I was just like, I don't want any piece of that. So I came back to work and then, you know, I met with the owners of that Remax and, you know, they said, well, if you do this, we'll teach you how to do real estate, et cetera, et cetera. So did my courses, convinced my best friend to do it with me, who still works with me to this day, convinced him to do it with me. And uh, we got licensed. And then it was, you know, where do you go? So I ended up at Remax, had a banner year, rookie of the year um, in 2010. And, uh, and then fell flat on my face in 2011. Like I'm talking, started a partnership. And I think we did less than five deals that year, might have been five. So average commission at the time is about 4,000. I'm splitting that 50 50. I made like 10 grand that year. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Wow. So- And I had nothing saved up because nobody told me that the money runs out. Nobody said like, hey, dude, you might want to not go party this weekend. Like I'm in my 20s. I'm having a great time. Nobody's telling me that this amount, this level of money that I'm making, you know, first time making over six figures and and heavily into that space. And and so I was having a great time. And uh, the following year is homeless. I had to get rid of everything. I had to sell my house. I had to sell my car. Actually, I I refinanced my car. I didn't even know you could do that, but I was so broke. I found a company that would give me a loan on my car and it ended up in the refi. I was able to pull out about $6,000 worth of equity out of a 2006 (laughs) Honda Civic. There's not a lot of equity in these things. There's
1: money everywhere, Andre.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I do that. I get rid of my place. I, I get out of everything. and I'm basically couch surfing. Um, you know, when I had my kids, I would go to my mom's who lived two hours away. But for the rest of the time, I was couch surfing wherever would have me. Um, some nights I slept in my car. Some nights I just slept at work. Whatever worked, I, I kind of made it happen. But I was in real estate and I had this this career. And uh, so I got a call one day from from a team leader, Keller Williams. He said, "Hey, you know, I hear good things about you, but like, man, you really fucking suck." Um, And I hope we can swear. I don't know if uh, you know. I didn't ask that. It's all good. It's it's all good. He's just like, "You suck right now." And uh, he's like, "There's so much potential. What's your problem?" I said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, this person's telling me to take out a bus ad. I have no money. I'm working this part-time job. I'm doing deals here and there, but I'm not certainly getting out of this hole that I'm in. And uh, he said, why don't you come hang out with us, train with us, and there's models and systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I did. I changed brokers as I came to KW. And uh,
1: For those who don't know what KW is, uh, just, you know, what is KW? Who does it stand for?
0: So so Keller Williams. There you uh, go. The largest real estate company in the world, yeah. also the number one real estate company in the world now. I don't know that we were then. I believe we came out of that shift. We went into the shift in 2008 and number four. We came out of that shift at number one in the entire real estate industry. So <laughs> shifts are my favorite thing, and I'll talk about that hopefully a bit today. Yeah. So I come to KW, and I start. I start for the first time in real estate. Being told about businesses. And I've, like I said, always had an affinity for the entrepreneurial style, creating business opportunities out of thin air, doing that sort of stuff. And so here I am being told all of a sudden that I can do this real estate thing as a business. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not just a salesperson. I don't just have to sell for the rest of my life, which I'd always dreaded and hated. And there's this model, there's there's this book, the MREA, and and you know, people start to say, well, you can build a business with it. Yeah, it's on the back of Steve's shelf, it's on my there's shelf right here. There you go. Yep. Lives on my shelf, right? And so, you know, I, I start looking at that. And and truly in one year I I dig myself out of the hole that I'm in and I actually quit the restaurant and, and now I'm a full-time realtor again and I'm back doing what I love. And in typical fashion, real, realtors love to do this. And I think it's, maybe it's just an entrepreneurial thing. Whenever something works, we fucking break it and we go do something else. I did that. I did that. It was like, this thing's kind of working. And Remax knocked Crash. on the door and said, you know, we'll give you whatever you want. Just come over here. And so I, I go do that and my business falls apart again. And I was just like, oh man, like, what am I missing? And that's where the first kind of clue to business came up for me, where it was like, who you surround yourself with matters? And I realized that I was in an environment that nobody was successful in. And and it's no offense to any of those realtors. A lot of great people were there. A lot of great businesses were there. I think most of those people have moved on from from that particular location at this point. But it's one of those things where I wasn't surrounded by people that were growth-minded and and thinking about building businesses. I was surrounded by people that were happy to do sales. And that's okay for everyone. Um, I just had this inner burning desire to start to to build businesses because I'd always done it. So you
1: you talk a little bit about, and and I'm going to just before we move on to the next one, because I think you hit a couple really good topics that I kind of want to dive in just a little bit more on. And one of the things that you said, and it's not just because I'm in the mortgage space, but you talked about that original person that you met back in the day. And the reason why you said heck no to the mortgage space and moved on, it's not because of the mortgage space. I'm not sensitive on that side, but it was more sensitive on the idea that you talked about. He wasn't a business person. If you can kind of flush that out, because I'm seeing a pattern here that you talk about that person's not a business person. You go on to the other you know, brokerage, you didn't see the business person there. And then you went to Keller Williams, you saw the business systems and you're sort of starting to dial into that a little bit more you know, what's sort of the difference in your mind between sort of that operator mentality and the business person mentality?
0: I think the biggest thing is is how much they're doing versus how much leverage they're creating. And I think you started with that question. was like, how do I do everything that I do? And I yeah. heard it said very, very recently where someone said the only difference between you and the successful person you want to be is how good you're going to learn how to leverage. And so as I was looking at these these individuals, and in particular, that person that, that you would mention on is, is the output didn't match the input. And so I'm getting sold on this, this world. It's so great. We're doing all this incredible stuff. You can build any kind of life that you want. And I looked at the individual and I said, well, why aren't you then? Like you're the <laughs> owner of this brokerage. You're the guy. You're the man. You're telling me how big I can be and how great I can be. And you're not doing it. And so I I cut through bullshit really quickly and I kind of look at results and I look at actions and it just wasn't there for this person. Like, in fact, that person's out of the business now. They don't own the mortgage brokerage anymore and they don't own the real estate brokerage anymore and they're completely out of the business. Maybe I'll Mm -hmm. tell you offline who it is, Steve, just to give you context. But (laughs) I was seeing metrics that this person really didn't know what they were talking about. And so they were selling me on a dream that they hadn't accomplished. And that's a big, I think that happens a lot in in sales jobs and in in business roles where you get sold, you know, people tell you all this great stuff and you got to kind of ask yourself, you know, I think you said this to me very recently as well. And and I'm going to probably mess this up, but it's like, Hey, how many people do you employ? All right. How much money? What's your best year ever? How much money are you making? And how many businesses have you grown? And if you can't really answer some of that stuff, are you really the person that I should be taking advice? Yeah. That,
1: that quote was a great quote from a fellow from Cardone Ventures. His name is Brandon Dawson. And and that was his big thing is if, if you haven't made more money than I have, you know, if you have not had employed more people than I have, and if you've not sold a business bigger than I've sold for a better EBITDA that I've sold it for, you know, what are you going to bring to the table that I don't already know? Correct. And, you know, it sounds like a bit of a bravado, um, but what it's saying is you're qualifying the source of the, of the data set. And I think that's a, you're, you know, I think that's extremely important. And, and that's one of the things that it's great to hear because, you know, when, when you talk about your history, it doesn't sound like you were, you were given a, a silver spoon and a, and a, and a clear path to success from the start.
0: No, dude, right. we we came from nothing, right? Like, I mean, when I talk about my grandma's farm, I'm talking about one of the poorest, most beautiful countries in the world in Jamaica. Like, I I didn't come from anything. We were immigrants. We moved to Canada when I was 14. Um, You know, we still have, I still have a picture of what our apartment looked like. Like, we lived in an apartment, four people in a a two bedroom apartment. um, And we had our TV on the box we bought it on. And that box doubled as our dining room table and sometimes as our plaything because we had nothing. And so my mom worked extremely hard to, to provide for my brother and I, she made so many, so many huge sacrifices. She's a big part of my why. And so every step of the way I have had to grind it and grow it organically, sometimes inorganically, but there was no, there was never a handout. But what that gives you is it gives you the ability to, like I said, to find bullshit, because you've been yeah. through so much, right? The, the fight or flight is so important. And when you when you climb the ladder in the way that I kind of had to from nothing, and, and I still am comfortable having nothing. I'm not a flashy person. I'm not that that guy that's got 25 cars or anything like that. And I probably never will be. But it's allowed me to kind of separate the difference between people who are actually going to really do stuff and people who just like to talk about it. And there's so yeah. much talk in business, whether it's real estate, mortgages, or any other business for that matter, and it's social media now, and and even just life in general, you can be full of shit and portray to the world that you're the most successful person out there.
1: And so well, it I- takes it takes a little bit of an Airbnb or like renting a yacht. Uh, to make yourself look like you're the Instagram celebrity and uh, and there's really nothing behind it. It, it tastes and, You know, like that's it. one of the things that I really enjoyed about, you know, your podcast, you know, because your podcast, the people that you interview are people who actually can produce numbers. It was funny because, you know, when you look at Keller Williams, and I think Keller Williams is, I would say, somewhat unique in this. And I'm sure there's other brokerages that do the same, but I just have a, a better exposure to Keller Williams on this one. But the open book policy of sharing success and sharing numbers, I find extremely interesting in the way that Keller Williams does it. I mean, you can walk into any brokerage. If you're a real estate agent, you can walk into a, this is my belief anyways, because I've seen it. You can just walk into any brokerage, you know, talk to a Meg agent and say, you know, how many deals do you do? Well, okay, I did you know, 1,200 last year. How did you do it? Well, here's my lead system. Here's my scripts. Here's my listing presentation. Here's where my lead sources come from. And the the open book allows there to be so much truth. And that's what I found like really refreshing about all the Keller Williams that I've gone to. And And I've been, I mean, not as obviously as many as you've been into, but, you know, the exposure that I've had to each one of them, you know, the honesty is just so there. And so that you can be present and have a really good dialogue and people aren't saying the fish is this big.
0: Well, and and you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that too, right? Because like you said, it's so easy to, to see that. And I've had agents that have gotten out of business with me because of that transparency. And I've shared that with you before, where that transparency, when you're building a business and it's built on lies and bullshit, and you're selling yourself to these people and then they go look it up. I had an agent once, I I had an agent that was very upset with me because he was trying to recruit this, this massive agent. She, she's a gem. And so that agent called me, said, I'm thinking about joining blah, blah, blah. And I said, cool, do your thing. Like I, I'll never get in the way of anybody's success. And then she came back and she says, something just doesn't quite add up. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I don't know. Something just doesn't quite add up, but she's like, I'm hearing this, but it's not matching. And she said, is there anywhere that I can find the numbers? And I said, well, one of the beautiful things here at our company is you can look up anybody's numbers. You can actually see what it was. And so she went and did it. And what she realized is that the person that she was already making more money than the person trying to recruit her was. And so all of a sudden she had that kind of moment of like, I'm just going to go keep doing my thing because This person's clearly not the right person for me to partner my business with. And so it does kind of separate the bullshit out to to your point where our culture isn't buried in the ego and the way it looks. Our culture is buried in business owners building great businesses because if you don't have numbers to your business, you don't have a business. And so – it's easy to sell people on, you know, we do this or we do that. But then when you can actually have to fact check it, it really makes a a big difference. And and that's really the difference in owning a business or just operating it is, is what are you, are you looking at the numbers? So, yeah. So that's, that's how my business journey in real estate started. And then to that point, Steve, as I hung out more in KW and started plugging in more, I started seeing better and bigger business owners, and my eyes were open. There was a time that I remember saying, you know, if I could just be the guy that made six figures again, that would be enough for me. And I lived that for a while. And then I started meeting people that it was like they were doing six figures a week. Yep. And I was like, whoa, 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 that is like what? You're doing that in real estate? And they were like, yeah, yeah. And so here it is, you know, you're seeing guys on billboards, buses, benches, you're seeing some some of these incredible leaders and these incredible business owners. And then you start having some serious business conversations where, like you said, they're doing 1,200, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 units, and they're just like you and I. They're just a normal person. You can have a conversation with them at a conference. They'll sit next to you. They'll share their vision. They'll share their roadmaps with you.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was like a freaking epiphany happened one day. And then I had a friend call me out and he said, well, you're living this really small life. I said, yeah, but I'm happy. And he said, good, I'm happy for you. He goes, but you're fucking selfish, man. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, like, that's like, screw you, man. Like, what do you mean? Like, I give, I donate, I give back to charity, I do all this stuff. Like, what do you mean? And he said, you know, you're in a world that – With with the person you are and the way that you think and the talent you possess, you could go on and do some really incredible things. And more importantly, help change even more lives and help more people and do more with what you have. And it took me a while to really grasp what he was saying, but because I'd always had enough for me and my family and I never thought about helping and changing the lives of others. And then all of a sudden that became the mission. And I realized that I couldn't do that if I stayed small. You can't actually help anybody playing small. You can't do anything. You can't save. Like, there's nothing you can do if you only ever have enough for you. And so my mission (laughs) changed, my vision changed, and my why changed. And then I started looking. So it started just small with, okay, there's my immediate family. And then there's the people just on the outside of that. And I said, well, how can I help those people? and then once you start to expand that out it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it just there's no end to it and so that's really what started happening for me was i started realizing that you know whether it was the mrea book or any of the other business books scale was the thing that allowed you to to really live a big life and yeah. it's actually a myth most people think that the bigger you get the more you work or the more you have to do it's not quite the same thing. Your responsibility is greater, but if you've done it right, you're actually supposed to be empowering other people. And so one of the things that I've, I've gotten really good at is partnering with people that see the vision and want the same vision as me and wants to help me go to that place. Gary calls it, you know, finding your five key hires or your empire builders. There's so many yeah. different ways to say this. And, and that's what started um, in about 2016 or so is I, I created, someone said, you know, build your opportunity, create your vision map, create your org chart, create your future, create your 10 years, et cetera, et cetera. So I started doing that and got really excited about it. And then I started sharing that with everybody. And then people would just start putting their hands up. They're like, I want to help. I got I want to change some lives. I want to do some stuff. I want to, you know, and they would start picking spots on the org chart that they could see themselves in someday. And, And so we talk about I do it and we do it and those are jobs and then they do it. And then you eventually make it theirs. Where you're you're out of the company. So if you think about how Apple was built, you know, it was exactly that way. It was, you know, I did it and Jobs and his partners, and then we did it and we started a company and then they did it. And then now it's theirs, right? I mean, Steve has passed a long time ago, and Apple continues to be one of the greatest companies in the world. And so he's built an empire, And so I just started looking at that and saying, okay, well, what are the pieces that I need in order to do that? And then how do my clients and the people I'm connected to get the best for their lives? So what are the bolt on things to real estate that just makes sense? Because an investor buys a house with me, they buy enough houses with me. They're going to need a property manager. Well, I'm going to refer that out and I have no control over what that future looks like for that person I don't know what the service level is. That's a really important one to me is how people are treated. And <laughs> I have standards. That's another important one to me, the standards of the organization. And I was out of my control. And I, so I would be referring people. I'm using property management as just one example because of one other business that we're involved in. And they would come back and complain to me six six months later. Hey man, I thank you for the referral, but this person really sucked, or this person this, or they screwed this up or whatever. And it just kept kind of kept happening. And I'd find new referral partners and I'd do new things. And it was like, well, what if I created the same level of standards and service that I represent in my own businesses and I did it in another business? And then I could then refer my clients confidently that they were going to get taken care of.
1: And that's how it And started. that makes that makes total sense. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's interesting because when you're looking at being impactful through you know, multiple channels, it gives you even more exposure to different people and uh, to inf- affect their lives. Right. And I think that idea of jumping out into, you know, different, I mean, that's the same thing that we're doing. I mean, we're in the in the mortgage business and we've, you know, incorporated, uh, you know, business consulting as a, as a component specifically to help people, you know, hit their targets. Cause they they come to us and they say, you know, we want to be able to buy X number of properties, but you look at their income statement and you said, well, that's great, but it's going to bury you. So, you know, how can we, you know, help you get to that income stream to build it? And I think, you know, the one thing that that you talked about, and it's very interesting when we when you talk about your beginnings, and I still firmly believe that, you know, the first hundred thousand that you make is probably the hardest money you're ever going to make. And, you know, and and you're right that as people, you know, transcend 500, they're going to have different problems. And usually at 500, they're going to be saying, how do I hire that first, second, third, fourth person outside of, you know, my aunt or my uncle that just happens to not have a job. And, you know, I'm going to give them the job and and they go through that process and and that might not work so well. And then they get to the next bit is how do I scale into the, into, you know, having multiple people doing what I was doing, not just supporting me and doing what I'm doing. And, you know, looking at your business, you've done an amazing job, you know, within the real estate side, you know, with, with both the, you know, the, your compass, uh, real estate advisor team, you've done a great job of building up a lot of amazing agents there who, you know, really are, are out there, you know, meeting with, you know, all your clients and, and, uh, meeting with people and really growing that business forward. But at the same time, you've also done that with the brokerage itself. You know, you've got your, you know, a great broker record, you've got a, a great TL a great MCA you've got you know all those people and what I'd like you to do is just kind of break that down because I used a couple acronyms just because I'm familiar with them and, and I kind of want you to kind of explain that out to kind of say like what does that look like you've got a team you've got a brokerage how does that all kind of play out and in you in, in using leverage and, and let's use a different word than leverage because some people don't even know what that means
0: yeah I mean you know I think everyone can understand standards and service and, and so luckily, and, and I won't use his name, but I, I I stumbled upon a client when I was building the team originally. And he was a district regional manager for Starbucks, like one of the higher ups in Canada. And so by working with him, showing him properties, I would always just ask him questions about Starbucks. And the thing that kept coming over and over and over again were standards and service and if you look at starbucks they don't really close a lot of locations like yes, yeah, sometimes they do it's it's not a hit or whatever but they they really don't close a lot of locations but more importantly no matter where you go in the world you get the same standards and the same service mm-hmm. i don't care where it is and i've proven that I've, I've done it in the bahamas i've done it in california i've done it in canada i've done it across the pond like it, It is set up to be the same. And I think one of the things business owners are scared to do is to have those standards and services in. So whenever I look at another business, that's where I start. And when you look at businesses and successes across any industry, I don't care what it is, they all represent the same thing. There's a way they do stuff. So the the standards of how things get done, and then the service on the client side. How do we interact with our people, et cetera, et cetera? And so whether it was team leader, so for those of you that are listening, team leader is effectively the CEO of the brokerage. That's that's what that title stands for. MCA is the is the office administrator. All otherwise it's sometimes called the operating, you know, head of operations on that side as well. You know, sales director, fairly straightforward. We've got one of those in our team as well. And so those would be, you know, three of the key hires, you know, expansion director as we grow out and build our businesses. But each one of these people represents a standard and a service for the business. And what you start to find, Steve, is no matter which business it is or any business I open from here forward, the standards are kind of the same. We work hard. We show up for our clients. We follow the systems and models. We don't try to recreate the wheel every time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and when you start to put that in place in everything that you do, it actually makes life really, really easy because it takes the guesswork that that quote unquote entrepreneurial piece of it that kind of goes away and you're just following a system. So before I do anything, the first thing I do is I go find somebody successful and I say, hey, will you share your systems with me? So, you know, before I did the property management company, I didn't know property management software. I had no idea what I was doing. And yeah, I could have muddled around and figured something out and tried a bunch of stuff. But I called someone that that we both know. Actually, it's Sandy McKay. For those of you that know Sandy, he's a big investor. He's got a massive property management company that his wife runs. I think she's got over 20 employees, in-house um, construction built in, all this stuff. And I thought, well, they've been doing it a really long time and they're really good at it. And I know that because I've got clients that are with them that are, that rave about what they do. And so rather than try to build a company from scratch and try to figure it out, I picked up the phone one day and called him and said, Hey, will you give me your playbook? Within an hour later, he sent me everything, including the software they use and everything else with a referral code. And all I had to do was plug it in and start working. So, I think that's really important for anyone listening that's a business owner is figure out where you want to go find the person that's there and go find if you can learn from them and if they won't teach you what they will do is they'll take free labor because everyone will take free labor and just go offer to work for them for free for a bit give them an hour yeah. a day or whatever that is and you're going to move so much faster than anyone else out there and so that ego piece, I just don't have it. Like, I'm just not someone that – I'm not smarter than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else. I might be a little bit better looking just sometimes, but, I mean, that's it. I don't have – like, I'm probably the dumbest guy out there, but I'm not better than thinking I'm better than anybody and so I learn from others a lot and I take what others give me and rather than, Hey, Steve, you give me something and it's working. We do this all the time. You'll tell me something. And I'm like, that's a great idea rather than dissect it and try to make it better because my ego tells me that I have to, I just go do it and look at the results and that's what's made me able to do what I do is I've stopped, take I've taken me out of the equation and I've looked for better systems and models that other people are doing. And I just implement them into the business so we can grow faster and move faster.
1: And- but I, I think that's extremely important. I mean, that's actually when I look at the name of the podcast for that that I've got here is the OP3M and the 3Ms are for other people's mindsets other people's money, and then most importantly, other people's mentors. Yeah. And, you know, you want to learn like, you know, where did they learn from? And that's why I really want to, you know, have these kind of conversations because, you know, a lot of people will look at where you got to it and just assume certain things as to the reasons why you got what you got. And I think it's because they obviously don't see what's happening behind the scenes. Oh, and I- what you're saying is the honesty of saying, look, I'm going to be, you know, brutally honestly with myself and say, I don't know everything but what I do know is I can go out and find people who do, and then I'm going to reach out and, you know, through, you know, having those dialogues really, you know, model after success. And that's so much easier than trying to, I mean, I, I heard this one analogy where it talks about, you know, you're at the edge of a rainforest and you've got two choices. You're given a machete and, you know, you can either go through the bush with the machete or what you can do is you can set the machete down, get in the car that was built by somebody else get on the road that was built by somebody else and just drive to that town. Sure, you didn't do it. You didn't invent it, but the results sure as heck happened a lot faster. And are we doing it because we want our ego to get in the way of saying we invented the process or do you want to be better tied to the solution?
0: Well, and, and when you look at successes, that's the thing, right? So when you look at, you know, let's take, let's take Microsoft as an example Bill Gates didn't create DOS, which was the primary system that Windows was built on. He bought it. Mm -hmm. He bought it really, really, really cheap because that person just didn't know what to do with it from there. And so Microsoft became a thing, almost an overnight success. And you hear that a lot in business, right? Oh, the next overnight success. There's none of that. We're just leveraging other people and other people's knowledge in order to grow faster than they were able to. And, and so that happens in so many different things. Like if you listen to um, the book on Starbucks, he talks about it where he said, you know, I basically just went to Europe, took what they were doing and brought it to America. Starbucks yep. wasn't a new concept. If you were on the other side of the world, they were already doing it and creating the cafe style version of espresso drinks. He just said, well, why don't we just do that? Cause people seem to really love it over there and nobody's doing it over here. So it's just opportunity and how you take that opportunity. And when you get out of your own way and think and, and stop trying to think you're better and that you have to be, like you said, own the process, you don't need to own the process on the result. So take what someone's done, replicate it, duplicate it, all right? Rip off and duplicate R&D and try to make it better and and if you're a really good person, go back to them and give it to them so they can be better too. And that's something yeah. that, that we do all the time where we'll meet with other broker owners and they'll give us something. We'll tweak it. We'll, we'll say, Hey, here's what we did with it. And here's the results, but thank you for the baseline. And sometimes they'll go, Hey, that's a really great idea. We didn't do that. And so everything I do is based on collaboration. Um, that's probably the better word than leverage. It's based on collaboration and based on the ability to humbly say, Hey, please help me. And that's yeah. just something that I, I learned really, really early. Well, I
1: think the collaboration is with the people, the leverage is with the systems and processes. 100%. Right. And I think and I think that's how it really happens. And you've sort of done yourself a disservice in the sense of that you haven't really talked about how, like, when you talk about your team, your whole goal is to build them. Like it has it really has nothing to do with Andre. And and I can say that's honestly within the brokerage. And I think that's honestly within your team is that uh, you really work so hard to build them. So that's why I said it's it, it's, it's a collaborative thing. It, it is not a leverage thing with people. And, and I think that's why it's I think it's a better word.
0: It's really hard for me sometimes to talk about that. And, and you're right. It, it's When I set out to do it, and I think most leaders miss this point, when you step into the role of leadership and you step into the world of building lives for other people, it actually has to be about other people. I think a lot of leaders just forget that or they miss that point or they make it about themselves. I just learned really early and, and that probably ties back to my never having anything like is that we grew up okay. My mom and dad worked really hard to provide for us. But when you really sliced it, we were poor. I just didn't Mm -hmm. get to feel those effects because they made sure I did not But, you know, my mom shared a story with me um, a few years back. And she said, you know, one of the things you and your brother never knew or that you actually didn't know is I'm, I'm about 12 years older than my brother is when I was growing up, dinner was made for me and whatever I didn't eat, she ate. But I didn't know that until I was an adult. Little things oh. like that, right? I had oh. no idea until very, very recently. And she shared that with me. And I said, well, what? And she goes, well, yeah, think about it. Like I, I put, you know, a, a chicken breast on your, your plate with some rice and some veggies. And whatever you couldn't finish was then my dinner. And I said, well, what if I ate it at all? She goes, well, then those were the days I really didn't eat dinner. And so that was the world oh. that I was raised in. So when I think about having nothing, it doesn't scare me. And so that allows me the ability to make it for everybody else, because if they grow, and then Zig Ziglar talks about this, right? If you help enough people, you'll get what you want out of it. And so I just started living that and saying, well, how many people can I help? How many lives can I change? How many people can I help become successful or to go where they want to go? And if you choose to stay with me, great. But my, you know, the first group of people that join the team will all tell you in that interview, I sat with them. I said, listen, my goal is to make it so you can leave me as fast as you humanly possibly want to. And they said, well, why would that be your goal? I said, because if I've done that, I've done my job. But if you stay with me, it's because you're into where we can go together.
1: Yeah. And that's very much Richard Branson and the, that build them to the point in which they can leave you, yeah. but create a culture that they want to stay with you. Correct. And, you know, it's it was awesome. funny. I was talking with uh, one of the the agents on your team and, you know, I, I, I thought it'd been a hot minute that she had been there. And then to think, I think she said, she's been there for like, what is, I think it's like seven years, seven years now. Years. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh man, does time fly by. And, you know, when the average team member stays with the team for, what is it, like a year, maybe two years, you know, that's a testament to the culture that you've created for your team.
0: Yeah. And and the funny thing around that is the team's only been there for eight years. So one of the things I didn't share is my first team blew up entirely. Like everybody that was with me, (laughs) everybody there, they were all gone because that team I built on me. I hadn't learned that lesson yet, that, that it wasn't about me. So that team, I wasn't doing a good enough job of creating value or helping them change their lives or doing anything for them. I made that one all about me. And by eight months into it, I was alone again in 1400 square feet, having to process my own deals and got all my own jobs back. And I said, I must've done something wrong. And what I realized I did wrong was I made it about me. So then I, I flipped it and I said, well, you know, what if we made it about everybody else? And let's see what that does. And um, the first hire I made was with me for six years. Um, she stepped out and she's she's got a great business for herself now. And I'm super proud of what she's been able to go and do. And then the second hire I made has been with me since then. She now runs our operations. The third person was that agent you were talking to and is one of our core groups and, and soon to be one of our leaders. And so when you talk about tenure, that was something I was really proud of realizing that like, holy crap. Whatever I'm doing is allowing people to want to stick around. And then I started realizing that I needed to create that bigger world. So when I have all these businesses and all these things that I'm doing, I'm doing it because the people that come into my world that help me build my world need opportunity so they can have somewhere to go next. And if I didn't do that for them, I was doing them a disservice. And then they were going to have to go find it somewhere else. And I'm a really big relationship person. I think that comes from not having anything is the only thing we had were our relationships and our friendships. And yeah. so that's how we, we kind of our family kind of moved forward. were through relationships and friendships. So they mean a lot to me. So I don't really like getting out of business with people. And so I kind of went, well, then I got to go bigger and I got to create more and I got to do more so that more people have opportunity and I can help others go on and live really big and great lives. And that's the stuff that makes me smile and, and brings me joy every single day.
1: Yeah. And that's, and it's interesting because you've, you've constantly sort of reinvented. And, and it's funny that, uh, there's a couple sayings that I, I really like, and I know there was one from Gary Keller, and I'm, I'm going to, I probably will bastardize it. So I'll pick one from, uh, from Grant Cardone that I saw, you know, down at the 10X uh, conference where he talks about being the lid on your business. And and if your lid's too low and it keeps the cup too small, you know, that's going to, you know, stop from your ability to be able to grow and, and help people and let them grow with you. Whereas if you, you know, you keep on constantly, you know, well, 10Xing your, your goals and, and making them bigger. And you, and you go like, man, like, when I thought I should be this, I need to be 10 times what it was so that I can help those people achieve their goals or else they're not going to stay with you, right? right. Because if, if they can't find the success with you, they're going to find the success or maybe not find the success. So they might fail without you exactly. right? or succeed. But you know, it's, it's one of those things that you want to create that retention. It's got to be about them. And, and, and those goals have to really make sure that they're there for them. To to take it.
0: back to that original quote, right? You playing small helps no one. It yeah. helps nobody. And and it was some of those sort of stuff. Like when I talk about these things with my mom, that's a really big part of my why um, yeah. was everything she had to go through. And that, that's how it started. It was like, I, I was like, I don't want anybody else to ever have to go through that. I don't want anybody I know to have to eat dinner after their kids. I don't want anybody that I know to have to live in the way that my mom had to live in order for me to be where I am today. So what if I just kept going bigger and bigger and bigger and creating more and more and more opportunities so that the next version of my mom or the next version of anybody that I know that's going through that hardship, I can find a way to help them. Whether that's in one of my businesses, whether it's financially, whether it's with coaching, whether it's with whatever, we can still help. And that's really what my why got centered around. And and for anyone listening, find your purpose, like find why the reason you're here because you're here for something bigger. Like none of us were put on this earth to just do one little small thing or one little small job or whatever that is. We're all meant for greatness what's yours you just got to figure out what that is and and go do that and so that's where it comes from and when i tell you steve i have no freaking idea where it's going to go next that's because now i'm just willing to grow where they want me to go so if somebody comes to me with the next big thing and it's that's where we should go as an organization or as a group of people that's going to change everybody else's lives hey cool let's hop on and let's go do it because that letting that go. And I think that's that's one of the really big part of leadership is if you've created other leaders in your world, they're going to challenge you and push you and grow you as well. And that's one of the my favorite thing with all my key hires is a lot of what you see today came from their minds as they were pushing me going. Well, what if we did this? What if we went to multiple cities? What if we had these divisions within our company? What if we I just kind of went, OK. What if? Let's let's go see. And sometimes we we messed up a lot of shit. Sometimes <laughs> we went <out laughs> You know, it's like, ah, oh, like you and I joked about construction companies. It was like, yeah, we did oh, that. Man. And and we got out of that.
1: And that was
0: a very expensive lesson. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> oh, yes. I probably wouldn't oh, yes. do it again unless the right person came and said, hey, we should do this. And I'd say, well, as long as you're willing to do it with me, I I might do it again. And I'm not opposed to that. And I think that's been freeing for me is kind of going, hey, other people are better than me. Let's let other people do it and do it with them and support them. And So well, I
1: think, you know, the other thing, too, is when you say other people are better, the one thing that I think Keller does, and, and I think you really dial in on this as well, um, you know, is you surround yourself with people that are different than you in your business. Yeah. Like, talk you can talk a little bit about that too, because I think that's a, a trap that people fall in, especially when they're hiring, is they hire people that they like, and well, guess what? Everybody likes themselves the most, yeah. so they hire a lot of themselves, and they realize why their business isn't working so well. And what you've done is is you know both for you know within the brokerage as well as within the team, um, you know, you've got different personalities, 100%. right? And what sort of mechanism do you use to kind of Start to to identify that, so you can find the right person.
0: What do they have that I don't have? So so rather than hiring everybody that's like me, like you said, right? Because I mean, that's easy. That's the easy way to do mm-hmm. it. We're all gonna get along and have a lot of fun. Hey, we're all gonna be broke together. I hire people. <laughs> I hire people. <laughs> so I, I'm really honest with myself. I think it starts there. I'm really honest with who I am when I will say, you know, I'm good at A, and outside of A, I suck. Now, can I muddle through it? Sure. Can I maybe get there? Sure. But this is what I'm really good at. So rather than hire to A, I'm going to hire to the rest of the alphabet. And I'm going to find those people that are better at operations than me, that are better at paperwork than me, that are better at marketing than me, that are better than all the things that I'm just not the right person to do. And then by doing that in my hiring strategy, they challenge me and they grow me and I have to become a better leader to lead them. Like that's something that, you know, we've had to learn is like, you know, how do you lead someone that's from a completely different industry than you? Well, you have to learn about their industry and you have to get better and you have to learn how to lead that person. And so, I find that I I look for the gaps, but then I'm also, again, using a system and model. I, I look for the proven strategies for those hires. So when I was hiring our team leader, I looked at what is the makeup of those successful team leaders. And luckily, we have a course for it that I was able to identify it. And then I just stuck to that. And rather than think, oh, my gut or my feeling tells me that I should like this pe- person, I went with what the system said, and the systems are very rarely wrong because there's there's those success pieces as well. And so, whatever hire you're trying to do or whatever you're trying to bring into your life, find the successful person who's done it. And You hear me say that over and over again. Find that hire and interview that person. You want a great marketing coordinator, go find a great marketing coordinator and interview them, find out what makes them great. And then go look for those attributes in somebody. Yeah, else. Yeah. I
1: think, I think that's a big pitfall that people run into is they want to hire to cost rather than hire to solution. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's a big challenge, especially in, you know, we call it small business, but I think small business needs to call themselves big business, just not there yet. Yeah. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest challenges is you, you either a hire who you know already. Yeah. Or B, you look at the cost model and say, what can I get for this dollars? Rather than what result do I need and and what am I prepared to spend to get to that result?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and there's nothing wrong with hiring people you know. I think just being honest with yourself, right? Like, like what what are the standards, what are the service that you That's represent? Right. And and being honest with that person, like, hey, Steve, this isn't personal. This is our business. Here's what we need. Are you able to be that person that delivers that? And I think even when we hire people, we know we don't have those conversations because there are people that, you know, I'll, I'll take one of our, our key hires, like our head of our coaching division, and that's a business within our business. Seven years ago, we were in Texas having um, dinner together. And we talked about getting into business and we both turned each other down. It was the wrong time. I wasn't ready. She wasn't ready. We had a lot of growing to do. Well, we just got into business together recently. And it was like, why did it make sense now? And it didn't make sense then because ego then would have made us do it. But we were both honest with each other saying, dude, I'm not the right person for you today. I'm not the leader that can lead you. And you're not the person that I should be in business with. And so we just didn't. But we stayed friends for a really long time until now it makes sense for us to be in business together. I believe that I'm, I'm, I'm a caliber of leader that could leave this incredibly large human being and how they think and how they operate. I would have fucked it up seven years ago and we probably wouldn't talk today. So sometimes you got to actually just be honest with yourself and, and be real with yourself around what it is you're actually truly trying to do and and take yourself out of the equation and is what you're about to do right for that person? And is it right for you? And, yeah. and I don't think anybody asks these questions anymore. It's so intriguing to me that nobody does, but it's it's so important. Like, am I the right person for you to be in business with? Or am I just going to screw up your life and take a year away from you and and change your direction because I was selfish for what I needed? What about what you need? And and so just just a different way of thinking. And it's just it served me well. And so I don't know where it came from. It, it probably just came from that servant heart that I've always had. And, and I think knowing if, if now that you've heard the story of my mom, that's what she did. Right. She just put everybody in front of her. And so it's probably just through how she raised me that that's just a natural part of me where I put people first. And then, you know, I'll take what's left.
1: That makes total sense. And, and, and that's why we can see that set of magnet for the businesses. I think, you know, having the, you know, number one for your business, you've got a wonderful back end in the sense of yeah. the hundreds of thousands of agents that are around, which is the model of Keller Williams. And that's something that you can build on because those are models that have been proven all around. But the interpretation into the local market I think that's where your your brokerage really does a great job. I was sitting in, on a presentation where we just looked at, I think it was like month over month, like, you know, what was the 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 sale price compared to, you know, the sale price from different places and in and, and the brokerage is doing really well. And I think, again, it just goes down to, you know, applying those sort of universal models that have proven cross market over market into the very specific one and interpreting that way. And I think that's something that that your brokerage has done a really good job at.
0: And Steve, I think it's getting rid of that ego, right? Like, I mean, if, if, if I'm not willing to look at the numbers and I'm not looking to see where we're failing and I'm not looking to see where we're growing, how can I truly ever help someone? Right. And, and that, that was like, when I talk about Starbucks and I talk about that opportunity, People don't realize how much thinking goes in before they ever open a location. Like they're tracking how much drive-by traffic, they're tracking how much sunlight the building gets, how much sunlight the sign gets. They're tracking, like they're tracking every micro iota of information before they ever launch that that business. And so, learning through that, I was like, "Well, what if we just tracked every single iota of our business so we could have similar results?" And then KW kind of went well, we already do that for you. Here's all your metrics. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, success kind of leaves clues. Our leader's a billionaire. That... <laughs> <laughs> we can go follow the yeah. path, right? Like the, it's yeah. there. And so what's really cool, like you talk about those numbers, is I was able to kind of, even in my business, I've been able to track and trend and go, okay, in this year we were having one of our best quarters ever. What were we doing in that quarter? We'll go back to our calendar events and we'll just go. Hey, well, look, we were training a lot. We were teaching a lot. We were this. We were that. We were doing all these things. A lot of these things. Yeah, well, we just went and did it again. Yeah, because
1: it's well, right it's, I, it's you know, it's interesting you say that. And just you know, to timestamp where we're at, it's April twenty twenty three is this recording. And when you talk about the last quarter, you know, a lot of agents in this industry of the real estate would say that it's the worst quarter that they've ever had. Right. You know, and, and I was listening to, I was actually wasn't listening rather. I was reading the book. It's Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. It's a beautiful book. Great. Book. Uh, really talking about, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, perspectives on selling and then how important it is in all walks of life. But one of the things it talks about is, is you have to identify, are you a professional or are you an amateur? Yeah. And, and, and it's a hard thing. It's a very hard pill to swallow. And, and it, you know, especially if you sit on the amateur side. And and what we find is, is that, you know, when things get tough, you know, the professionals really come out when things are easy, you know, an amateur can produce somewhat similar results because the market's doing most of the work yeah. and, and it's, you know, where the, the, the benchmark is, did you answer the phone, you know, just cause they're just trying to get anybody to show them a property versus it's now what feels like, you know, I think it's a 30% drop or whatever was in the market and number of yeah. listings or whatever. I don't know the stats completely you know them and um but whatever that is and to still see a great quarter you know that that shows that there's a system in place
0: well and and that's that's the key right is is there's a system in place there's a system in place for everything and when we talk about the market being down 30% and we're going to have to do another episode and that we we talk about some of that sort of stuff Within, I, I remember the weekend, it was the the March long weekend, or not long weekend, it was the March break, so spring break for us, ben, if you're listening in the US, the spring break long weekend, and um, all of a sudden, we went from like the Friday, we had offers, and we got like 12 offers on a property, and the Monday, we had offers, and we got none. Mm-hmm. And it, that's how fast, that's how fast it had happened, and, you know, we talk about this book all the time, Shift, and... 2016 at that same conference one of the things that i heard was always build your business for a downshift because if you build your business for a downshift then you'll do even more when it's up and when it's down you'll already be prepared and so i built i built all my businesses insulated for for shitty markets and shitty times and everything else that's just how my brain works and when the shift happened our team maybe saw a two-week blip because we just we literally just went, cool, what's the playbook? We've been here before. Let's just let's just implement it again. And so when everybody was having some of their worst years of life last year, um, we were having one of our best years ever. That's and amazing. and we're already poised to smash that this year based on the way the numbers are coming in. So systems, models, success patterns, like I'm not smarter than than anybody else that's listening to this. I'm not smarter than anybody else out there. I just started listening to other successful people and doing what they did.
1: Well, I think you, I mean, you hit a couple different uh, milestones and, you know, and I think every business kind of goes through them. It's, you know, what is that first hundred thousand milestone and how do I have to adapt to get that given whatever market and climate I have? And then when you say, okay, I'm going to hit the next milestone, what that might be like, whether it's a half a million or a million or whatever that is, what does that look like? And then when you start to scale and get to the next thing, uh, whether it's 10 million or a hundred million or wh- whatever it is that look like if, if revenue is, is the metric. And I think numbers are extremely important. I think too many people are bashful and they think numbers make you seem like a, you know, the business typey that doesn't care about people, but it's exactly the opposite in order to have that enabled yourself to be able to look after people, you need that food and that food is, is money. That's and true. so I think that's extremely important. Now, when we look at where you're at, we've kind of talked a little bit about the beginning. We've talked a little bit about the middle and I'm not going to say the end because you're not old enough to talk about the end. But let's let's talk about the next bit of the journey. Where where's Andre going? What what does this look like over the next few years?
0: Uh so, so it's interesting that that you should ask that because it's not it's it's starting to no longer be my finish line. Um, it's now all of our finish lines, and then we talk about that. You know, I do it, we do it, they do it. Well, the theys that I have in this in in my world are thinking so big that they're thinking about who the number or the the best or the brightest or the biggest organizations for real estate are in the world whether it's on the brokerage side the team side or any of the other businesses we're partnered with and they're going well we now know the new benchmark for us and that has to be being the best in the world and we're not sure if that's number 1 we don't chase we don't chase vanity in that way we want to be the best organization for the agents and for the clients. And that's, that's the goal. So we don't have a finish line um, for those that want to get an idea on how this thinking works. Go read the infinite game by Simon Sinek that's yeah. what we're playing. We're playing the infinite game. We have no idea where it goes. You, you know, 10 years from now, I can't tell you what it's going to look like because we're just playing the game of being the best that we can for the people in our world and creating a world so big that everybody else can succeed through us. So, that, I know that's not probably the answer that most people will give you, as most people are really super clear. I'm super clear on my personal life, like what my personal um, at-home life will look like. But as far as the businesses go, I'm, I've let go to sort of going after the best and seeing where that takes us. And so where they want to go and where we all want to go is being the the best organization for real estate in the world. And I think that the group that's setting it right now, the two groups that... Everybody's talking about Place, Inc. and Livia, and they're the two largest real estate organizations in the world. One's got a, a $2.5 billion annual sales vol- volume, and the other one's at $2 billion. And so that's the benchmark. And what's cool is I know that by the time I catch those guys, they're going to be at 5 or $10 billion, and I'm going to have to keep <laughs> going and keep reading. Yeah,
1: it's funny. They don't stop either, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the, again, when we talk about that success leaves clues part, That's a huge part that I've learned about the successful people. If you look at somebody like Richard Branson as an example, um, CEO of Virgin Virgin and and all of that Virgin represents, he doesn't have a finish line. Elon Musk doesn't have a finish line. Like none of these incredibly great people have a finish line. They're they're just kind of, this is what I'm doing now. And well, when I get to the next one, I'll let you know. And, you know, I've heard it differently. I think Cardone says it is, you know, you can't, you don't know the next mountain you're going to climb till you finish climbing this one. So I'm not done yeah. climbing this mountain yet so I truly don't know what the next mountain is going to be just quite yet.
1: Yeah, no that's that's amazing and you know it, you you mentioned Simon Sinek and I just want to plug him a little bit just you know on a vanity side because I think you know his infinite uh, uh, game book is amazing. Hopefully he follows it and writes an infinite number of more books. I think his you know Start with Why is probably one of my favorite books that I've ever read and I think uh, you know when you 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 really pointed to that a bunch of times where you talk about you know what is your why and then you start talking about your team's why and and how that's you know extremely important to understand that because when you face the adversity like you know when you talk about how in your first year you crushed it your second year you were you, you know refinancing your car and then uh, you go in and you start seeing some more success and day 2 all of a sudden all your team's gone and you're like huh you know and then uh, then you go again and you're like okay I'm going to do this and and then you run into a roadblock and And it seems like you you know, you're always running to these roadblocks, but that why you know you know looking at where you've come from and looking at you know the relationship with your mother and the work that she's put into you and you know the sacrifice is the absolute sacrifice i actually have not heard that story before so that to me is extremely You're the first
0: and- i've ever shared that story with publicly i've never shared that story before with anybody publicly um the moment just felt right to, to get that one out there and uh thank you for giving me that opportunity to be able to share that this was the perfect platform for that
1: well, I know, you know, what? I really appreciate that. And one thing I have to say is all of our conversations, you know, and, and this goes down to surrounding yourself with people that are, um, you know, help you think bigger. And I think the uh, all of our conversations that we've had have always been very honest. And and it's really been those things that kind of like helped propelled me to try to get forward. And because I'm like, man, like, I watch what you do and it's just, it's unbelievable. Thank you. Like it really truly is. It it is truly unbelievable to watch what you do. And it all goes back to the why, right? It always goes back to that. So
0: everything starts and ends there. And uh, if your why is big enough, there's nowhere you can't go, man.
1: That's right. Well, man, we've, I've, you know, I've, I've, you've shared an hour with me of, of sharing a lot about you and, and, and I truly do appreciate the time and, and it's, and it's amazing, uh, to actually expose the world to who's behind the magic. And it's been a wonderful time. And I really hope our listeners really appreciate that as well, because I sure have. And, and it's, there's a lot of takeaways, uh, you know, from my perspective. So, thank you. thank you. And when we look at parting words, uh, you know, one of the things I, I always love to find out, you know, what's the book that's sitting in front of you that you're about to read? What's the next place you're going to travel to? And uh, those are the those are the two things I kind of want to know where you're going.
0: So the the next book, here, I've got it here in my phone. I'm just going to pull it up right now so I can I can give you the title correctly um so i just finished um unfuck your brain um because i like to i like to work on that thing and my next book we just started it actually this morning is called come up for air by nick sonnenberg so um, as we talk about that struggle one of the things that we forget to do as leaders is is come up for air look around breathe take take a second so um that's a really impactful book um for me uh, the next place I'm going to travel to um, will probably be Austin, Texas. I try to go there at least once a year, and then outside of that, um, I'd like to get over to Indonesia, um, probably early next year. So those would be the that's
1: amazing. That'll be so, that. oh, it'll be, it'll so be so easy. much fun. it will be so much fun.
0: And thank you, dude. I mean, for everyone listening, if you're trying to find us, you're trying to hunt us down. We're the Real Estate Hustle Podcast on Instagram. Instagram's the easiest place to find me. It's Andre Chin KW um, on Instagram as well. Reach out. Don't hesitate to ask your questions. Like I said, we share all. And uh, you know, thank you OPM for having us on. We we really really enjoy.
1: Yeah, uh, we appreciate you, man, and all everything that you do. And uh, keep up the amazing work, my friend.
0: Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.